well, hi. <laughs> like Towley from South Park? Yeah. Well, hi. I thought that was Mr. Hanky. Whatever. I don't know. The I don't Christmas watch the show. Too. How are you? <laughs> Swell. How are you? I'm good. Great. Hello and uh, welcome everybody to another <laughs> episode of History and Herstory. Uh, I'm Amador. And I'm Alex. And we have another story for you this week. Turns out we do this every week. Huh. We have stories. Somehow it's a fucking surprise to me every time. <laughs> You're usually the one that's uh, very prepared. Yeah, that's fallen off. Yeah, these recently. last couple ones. I, I remember when we first started, you're like, I know what my next six are going to be. And I was like, I don't know what my next one's going to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did my research on my lunch break today. So. <laughs> don't move the mic away from your mouth when you talk. Okay. <laughs> don't talk to me. There's no reason to be mad. <laughs> There's no reason to be a dick either. <laughs> Anyway, we hope you enjoyed last week's episode when we talked about the Zimmerman telegram. Who knew that Germany tried to get Mexico to declare war on the United States? Multiple times. Germany's kind of scraping the barrel there in terms of allies. (laughs) Not to say, you know, anything about really the Mexican army, but I mean, at the time, they, like we talked about, they're in the middle of a civil war. They didn't really have anything going on for them. Germany was really struggling. They were just, they were grasping at straws, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a good episode. Um, once again, thanks everyone for, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was lost in thought. What is happening over I was there? lost in thought. Um, thanks everyone for uh, listening to it and also like listening to it on YouTube. Like, got a couple more. Yeah, we got a couple more uh, subscribers on YouTube, so that's cool to see. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that's pretty neat. So, anyone that's listening to this, even if you don't listen to us on YouTube, like just log in, go like the page, go subscribe to the page, and then leave it alone. Never look at it again for all I care. I just want to see them numbers go up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about the metrics. (laughs) I should make the city commission subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Holy shit. Okay. So <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Breaking news. So there's this Instagram um, account called What the Helena. Nice. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know who it is. I think, like, I, I don't know. The, <laughs> like, they talk about. Well, I hope shit. it's not anyone important. Well, I don't think so. But they talk mad shit about the, like, mayor and commissioners and stuff. And, like, it's it's really funny. But all, like, through memes. Of course. Just about Helena. It's great. But they totally know about it. Like one of the commissioners was the one who told me about it today. <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever seen. Well, the so, commissioner's uh, like, I hate it. And you're like, I love it. <laughs> I mean, what I don't the know. Helena? It's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like what the Helena more than have a Helena day. Yeah. That's awful. There is a business in town called Helena Handbasket. That's kind of cool. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know what they do. Probably make hand baskets. I don't know that they do. Or sell hand baskets. I think it's a food place. I have no idea. Maybe. I don't know. Their only marketing scheme is having a cool name, apparently. So. Uh, Any any old news for you? (laughs) Uh, No, no old news for me. Any old news for you? Uh, 
No. Once again, it snowed on the day that you had to go into work. Yeah, it was awful. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> okay. Your daughter grew. She continues to grow. Is good. Mm-hmm. No, uh, the we'll we'll get into the story pretty quickly here tonight. Um, but I did like I'm going to keep hammering the point of go follow us on Twitter H and H Story Pod at H and H Story Pod on Twitter. Uh, where I'm the only one tweeting. So if you want to hear Alex's opinions on anything, too bad. She doesn't do Twitter. She doesn't like Elon Musk. So I'm running that Twitter account. She runs the Instagram and Facebook account, though. So if you want to yell at her, just go on those things. And then uh, I run the YouTube account. So if you want to yell at me again, uh, go look at the videos on YouTube. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have been considering downloading Twitter again. Oh, no. I have so many things that I have to say to well. the void. <laughs> <laughs> i really i need yik yak back yik yak yik yak was my shit i ran that website i don't remember yik yak it was the best must have been after my time no it was like peak college you know like when i was living in missoula it, it was yik yak is so like peak 2013 14 yeah like 13 14 15 those were all good years look i was an adult by then so I didn't do any of that. I was a heathen. I don't think I even had a Facebook at that point. Uh, yeah, I... you were Mr. All About the Internet, but anti-actual internet. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm don't. i not a huge social networking person. Well, I'm glad that's you're in charge of Twitter. That's why I make you do the Instagram <laughs> and the Facebook. The Facebook. The book with the face. Uh, and I do Twitter because we someone should be on Twitter, and it's not going to be you. So, <laughs> it's me. So anyway, go follow us on Twitter, go follow us on YouTube, go follow us on Instagram, go follow us on Facebook. Yeah. Do all that stuff. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, we'll uh, have Alex jump into her story here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Heavily researched, I bet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, here's the thing. I donate to Wikipedia, so I feel like I can use it for whatever I want. <laughs> I hope you're not donating my money to wikipedia yeah your money because you're the only one that goes to work one day a week around here <laughs> i am the only one that goes to work one day a week around here that is true <laughs> don't at me <laughs> what's your point don't donate our money to wikipedia okay i'll donate my money to wikipedia very fun you want to hear my story yeah you want to yell at me more <laughs> we'll have the fight off mike <laughs> I want to talk about it now. <laughs> we'll talk about this when, once you've calmed down. I want to kill you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, when this is released. Tomorrow. Also known as tomorrow. It will be St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Today is... Uh, if you're Irish, happy St. Patrick's Day. If you're not Irish, also happy St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Eh. Yeah. Um, today is also St. Urho's Day. Which is a made-up holiday for the people of Butte, Montana, to drink more. <laughs> um, can you can you just give everyone a brief history of Saint Urho? Saint Urho is some Finnish guy, um, and apparently he drinks heavily and wears a like he wears antlers, horned hat. Yeah, yeah. like a Viking horn. We hat. saw a picture today. Because your mom's down in Butte right now, yeah. celebrating St. Urho. So they day. like crown St. Urho, and St. Urho is some guy that is 100% Finnish, but he used, like, St. Urho used to have to be 
have to have been born in Fintown in Butte, but Fintown was all swallowed up by the pit, so it doesn't exist anymore. So I think they're running out of people, <laughs> and now they're just like, if you're finished, right, <laughs> come be Saint Erho. So if you've been to Finland once, come be Saint Erho. Uh, Saint Erho sounds like it'd be a good podcast topic. I think that's not what we're talking about today. It's not what we're talking about. <laughs> I thought about doing the whole like saint patrick's day and like saint patrick running the snakes out of ireland but really snakes is just a big old metaphor for the not christian people around the hall but that's boring sure so we're going to talk about something that's also near and dear to everyone's hearts around this time of year alcohol yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about guinness (laughs) oh okay and the history of it Clearly, we're a history podcast. Uh, alrighty. They mine it straight from Mount Guinness, right? Yeah. They cracked yeah. a hole in a mountain. The Irish cracked a hole in the mountain, and then Guinness poured out. Right. The end. It is a. Uh, <laughs> it's a stream in the, the the Irish the locks of Ireland. Probably Galway. It's the only town anyone knows in Ireland. Uh, it's managed by the. Okay. Arthur Guinness started brewing beer or ales, clearly, in uh, 1759 at the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. Um, in 1759, he signed a 9,000 year lease at 45 euro per year for the unused brewery. 9,000 year lease, huh? Yeah. So he's got it. That's a smoking deal now. Yeah, for 45 euro. <laughs> oh, wait. They didn't have euro back then, though. Are they pounds? What's the symbol for a pound? I'm just now realizing that I don't know if this is euros or pounds. I don't think it's euros because euros is way afterwards. It's probably, yeah, pound sterling or whatever. No, it's like a little squiggly, like an upside down five, but like kind of a three. An upside down five, but kind of a three. What? I mean, okay, so the... the Just say $45. Okay. Everyone here is well, American. Well, that's what I was going to say, because like the, the currency rate or whatever is the same right now, so $45 for 9,000 years. <laughs> 17, in 1708? 1759? 1759. 10 years later, on May 19th of 1769, Guinness first exported his ale. He shipped six and a half barrels to Great Britain. Okay. And Guinness was born. um he started uh, okay well quick disclaimer i know shit about beer okay i know that it tastes bad and it has gluten in it yeah you don't you're not a big beer fan i really like guinness though do you yes you can't have any i know this that's too bad um i don't think they make a gluten-free guinness i'm about to tell you that they fucking don't so (laughs) (laughs) uh i cut out a lot of the technical like percentages this is like, how much hops to yeah. barley the ratio beer math and stuff we're not we're not here for that i just want to tell you about what happened all the folks that listen that work at lewis and clark brewery though they'll be they'll be really upset that you're not including all those details yeah well they can go read about it then <laughs> <I earn. laughs> the first guinness beers to use the term uh single stout and double stout were in the 1840s Throughout the bulk of its history, Guinness produced only three variations of a single beer type, porter or single stout, double or extra, and foreign stout for export. So they had like their regular, their heavier, and then the one that they 
sold off. Unbelievable they could have a heavier version of Guinness. Well, stout was originally referred to as the beer's strength. So, like, the, the porter was the single stout. It was their low-level heaviness. And mm-hmm. then the extra was obviously the extra. <laughs> a extra. No cap on that extra. Right. Um, the porter, or the, the lighter one, was called the workman's friend. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You could drink that one on the job. There's, like poems and shit about it like people really (laughs) really love this beer um already one of top three british and irish brewers guinness's sales soared from uh 350,000 barrels in 1868 to 779,000 barrels in 1876 in october of 1886 guinness became a public company and was average sales of 1.138 million barrels a year so they're just growing and growing and growing and reaching farther out into the into the wild and shit mm-hmm. and spreading all over the place. Uh, the breweries pioneered several quality control efforts. Um, ha- like, you know, there's a, a stigma, I guess, or like a, a correct way to, to pour a Guinness. Oh, uh, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Well, we'll talk about the, the specifics of it in a little bit, but like that's kind of what they're known for of like... Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like putting out obviously a good product, but then also like having the science to back it up and putting a ton of research into how to make a good beer and how to well, make also, it like keep. Yeah. And that's like, that's a big marketing thing too, where it's like, Oh, you're having a Guinness. Are you having a Guinness the correct way? Like that's a real, right. That's a real big thing. So the brewery hired a statistician, statistical guy statistician (laughs) yeah someone who's eight who's really into statistics (laughs) right uh his name is william seeley gossett in 1899 he achieved lasting fame under the pseudonym student so he called himself student that's why um like that specific pour is called the student t test in the student distribution like it's it's all called student i don't know okay kind of weird but like that's really the only time they talk about this in this whole thing so i probably didn't need to mention it anyway <laughs> when the first world editorializing war- on the while we're live it's, it's good. fine people aren't here for facts <laughs> when the first world war broke out in 1914 employees at guinness St. why did James- it break out <laughs> Because over 800 employees joined the British forces, so they didn't have beer anymore. Now there was a war. Hmm. This was made possible due to a number of measures put in place by Guinness. Soldiers' families were paid half wages, and jobs were guaranteed upon their return. Of the 800 employees who fought, 103 did not return. I mean, I thought you were going to be like, 103 aren't the only ones that returned. Because <laughs> nah. there's a lot of people that died in World War One. During the Second World War, the demand for Guinness among the British was one of the main reasons why the UK lifted commerce restrictions imposed in 1941 to force Ireland into supporting the Allied powers. <laughs> Ireland's like, I don't know if we really want to do this. And they're like, look, we really need that beer, man. <laughs> Before 1939, this is interesting, if a Guinness brewer wished to marry a Catholic, his resignation was requested. Wow. According to Thomas Malloy, writing in the Irish Independent, quote, it had no qualms about selling drink to Catholics, but it did everything it could to avoid employing them until the 1960s, end quote. 
Wow. Guinness thought they brewed their last porter in 1973. In the 70s, following declining sales, the decision was taken to make Guinness extra stout more drinkable. Quote, unquote, drinkable. The gravity was subsequently reduced and the brand was relaunched in 1981. So this is one of those like beer terms that I know nothing about, but gravity is just kind of, what are you doing? Nothing. You're listening. Really? Okay. You're like what? looking off into space in some weird way. Yeah, I'm listening to you. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, gravity is some scientific beery term that I don't know what it is. Beery. But, but they made Beery's it, not an actual term. They made it less. And here we are. They made it less beery. Pale malt was used for the first time and isomerized hop extract began to be used. In 2014, two new porters were introduced, West Indies Porter and Dublin Porter. Beer, 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 medical, beer, beer. Medical? Okay, so in when they're writing scripts for like Grey's Anatomy and TV shows like that, and they're like, the writers are like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what this surgery is about, and I don't know what to say right here. They put medical, medical, and then they move on. <laughs> like, we got to do the... The medical, medical, and then they just keep writing. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> In the 1980s, as the IRA's bombing campaign spread to London and the rest of Britain, Guinness considered scrapping the harp as its logo. So we'll talk about um, the harp in just a little bit. But like the, I don't know, it's a harp. You know, you've seen it before? The mm-hmm. Guinness logo? Okay. No. That was, what did the IRA use a harp? The I, I the IRA being the Irish Republican Army. If anyone's if anyone listening doesn't know what that is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I should have moved this to a different part of the <laughs> <laughs> to a different part of the thing. This is not my best work. I'm sorry. Uh, where am I? <laughs> What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, if you're not gonna be the so person, you can't be the uh <laughs> person. Okay, fine. Well, I found my place. Good. Uh, okay. Cut all that out. <laughs> no. The Guinness Brewery in Park Royal, London, closed in 2005. The production of all Guinness sold in the UK and Ireland was moved to St. James Gateway Brewery in Dublin, where they are now. The original. Guinness had a fleet of ships, barges, and yachts, and the Irish Sunday Independent newspaper reported in 2007 that Diageo, I think is how you say it, D-I-A-G-E-O, Diageo, intended to close the historic St. James Gate plant in Dublin and move to a greenfield site on the outskirts of the city. This news caused some controversy when it controversy when it was announced. Um, initially, Diageo is just the like parent company of Guinness. Um, they dismissed talk of a move as a rumor, but a speculation mounted in the wake of the Sunday Independent article. The company confirmed it was undertaking a significant review of its op- operations. This review was part of the company's ongoing drive to reduce the environmental impact of brewing. At the St. James Gate plant. They're trying to get more green. Mm-hmm. So they say they're going to move. And then people are like, what the fuck? You came up. Right. Remember, it's like that one time when Hostess was like, we're not going to make Twinkies anymore. All of a sudden, everyone everyone loved Twinkies again. 
So in 2008, they were finally like, yeah, all right, we'll stay here. It's going to be cheaper anyway. We're going to renovate a little bit. Aren't they on a 9,000-year lease for 45 bucks? Yeah. But um, they did close two other breweries in 2013. Um, In 2017, they made their beer suitable for consumption by vegetarians and vegans by introducing a new filtration process that avoided the use of isinglass <laughs> from the fish bladders to filter out yeast particles which is disgusting <laughs> uh, until the late 1950s Guinness was still racked into wooden casks in the late 50s and early 60s Guinness ceased brewing cask conditioned beers and developed a keg brewing system with aluminum kegs replacing the wooden casks these were nicknamed iron lungs until 2016, the production of Guinness, as with many beers, involved use of ice and glass, those fish things. Um, <laughs> Guinness Stout is made for, like, Stout is the the plain Guinness right now. Yeah. Like, if you order a Guinness, they're going to give you Guinness Stout. Um, it's made from water, barley, roast malt extract, hops, and brewer's yeast. A portion of the barley is roasted to give Guinness its dark color and characteristic taste. Um, if anybody cares, it's pasteurized and filtered. <laughs> wow. Wow. Arguably, its biggest change to date, um, in 1959, Guinness began using nitrogen, which changed the fundamental texture and flavor of the Guinness of the past. Okay, so I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, nitrogen bubbles are much smaller than carbon dioxide giving it a creamier and smoother consistency over a sharper and traditional CO2 taste. So instead of it being like fizzy, like pop, Mm -hmm. now it's like creamy and beery. I kind of wish I could have tried the the poppy kind, though. Because I kind of like that bitterness of pop. I mean, I love pop. (laughs) Pop. Pop. I love soda pop. It's really good. But like, I wonder how people felt then. Like, say you're like you just got back from World War Two and you've been chugging Guinness forever. Now all of a sudden, 1960 comes around. It's you got all these goddamn hippies everywhere, and also they're changing Guinness on you. You must think the world's ending. Oh look, it's 2023. <laughs> Don't touch my Guinness. Let's talk about some of their advertising campaigns. Because <laughs> not an in an absolute world. What? <laughs> The advertising campaign we talked about last week. Oh. No. (laughs) Guinness ran advertising campaigns. um, Well, hold on. Ran an advertising campaign in the 1920s, which stemmed from market research. When people told the company that they felt good after their pint, uh, the slogan created by Dorothy L. Sayers, quote, Guinness is good for you. (laughs) <laughs> advertising for alcoholic drinks that implies provide physical performance or uh, enhance personal qualities is now prohibited in Ireland. Right. Uh, the c- it's like the company. whole Red Bull gives you wings thing. Like they had to stop it saying that. Did they? Yeah. I guess I haven't heard that in a while, but they had to stop. Diageo, that parent company. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> The company that now manufactures Guinness says, quote, we never make any medical claims for our drinks, end quote. 
A 2003 study found that stouts such as Guinness could have a benefit of helping to reduce deposit deposits of harmful cholesterol on artery walls. This was attributed to higher levels of antioxidants in stouts than in lagers, though the health benefits of antioxidants have been called into question. Right. It's like every other week you hear like, oh, yeah, if you have a glass of red wine every night, it's good for you. And then, and then like a week later, it's like red wine will kill you if you have it every day. Right. However. <laughs> Eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Milk is bad. Milk is good. Guinness has been scientifically proven to cause extremely smelly farts. <laughs> you're gonna be we're gonna be in a bar tomorrow night in butte guinness is gonna be flowing you're just gonna be in a sea of greasy old man farts why would you do this to me? greasy old guinness man farts (laughs) you can do some uh field research tomorrow on that claim i'm gonna throw up already All right, let's talk about how to pour a Guinness. Before the 60s, when Guinness, um, like, started, was still in the casks and wasn't in these aluminum things and wasn't being poured with nitrogen and all that, Mm -hmm. back in the OG days, um, OG Guinness, (laughs) casks that were delivered to many small pubs were often nearly um, unmanageably frothy. But cellar space and rapid turnover demanded that they be put into use uh, before they could sit for long enough to settle down. Um, as a result, a glass would be part filled with the fresh, frothy beer, allowed to stand a minute, and then topped with beer from a cask that had been pouring longer and that had calmed down a bit. So they mixed the two. They like had an older one that wasn't as like mixed up and whatever and mm-hmm. dumb. Um, so dumb. That's, this is kind of where the, the two-step pour two-stage pour, excuse me, um, comes into play. And then it just kind of became a, a ritual. Like, now it's a like a cult classic kind of thing. Yeah. I don't really under, I don't really get it, though. How do they do it now? I will tell you. Okay. Um, okay. So, Diageo calls the perfect pint of Guinness the product of a double pour, which, according to the company, should take 119.53 seconds. <laughs> Guinness has promoted this weight with advertising campaigns such as, quote, good things come to those who wait. End quote. Huh. The brewer recommends... I gotta wait two minutes to drink my beer? How yeah. dare you? Yeah, almost. <laughs> the brewer recommends that drought Guinness should be served at... Draft Guinness? Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. D-R-A-U-G-H-T is draft. That's drought. <laughs> You're right. It's They got no moisture. Oh my God. Have I been stupid my whole life? <laughs> my entire life. Minds are being blown was... here live I in our studio. Drought. drought, Guinness. Why wouldn't they just spell it draft? <laughs> Miller genuine drought. <laughs> I've never okay. I've never had to say it out loud, I guess. I don't know what's happening. Anyway. The brewer recommends that Guinness <laughs> should be served at 
42.8 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> While extra cold Guinness, which I don't know if that's a preference, extra cold Guinness, or if this is like a type. Put it over ice? Like, I don't know. Okay. Extra cold Guinness should be served at 38.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Before the 21st century, it was popular to serve Guinness at cellar temperature, um, and some drinkers preferred it at room temperature, hmm. which sounds disgusting to me. Yeah, I think I've only ever had like refrigerator temperature Guinness, so what's that, like 38 degrees, 40 degrees? Yeah, I don't know. So, According to Esquire magazine, a pint of Guinness should be served in a slightly tulip-shaped pint glass. Okay. Um, rather than the taller European tulip or nonic glass which contains a ridge approximately three quarters of the way up the glass to begin the pour the server holds a glass at 45 degree angle <laughs> i'm just picturing this in my head continue it's okay <laughs> um to begin the pour the server holds the glass at a 45 degree angle below the tap and fills the glass three quarters full on the way out of the tap the beer is forced at high speed through a five hole disc restrictor plate at the end of the tap creating friction and forcing the creation of small nitrogen bubbles which form a creamy head the server brings the glass from 45 degree angle to a vertical position after allowing the initial pour to settle the server pushes the tap handle back and fills the remainder of the glass until the head forms a slight dome over the top of the glass they're like company spec chart you know Mm -hmm. says just proud of the rim Okay, so just above it. Mm -hmm. In 2010, Guinness redesigned their pint glass for the first time in a decade. The new glass was designed to be taller and narrower than the previous one and featured a bevel design. The new glasses were planned to gradually replace the old ones. So when Guinness is poured, have you heard of like the... Oh, shit. Did I not keep this in there? (laughs) Whatever. Okay, so there's like the... It's... I can't remember what it's called. It's like a backwards bubbles or like uh, downward bubbles or I don't know, something like that. Something cool happens with the bubbles in a Guinness if you watch it. Okay. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> so when Guinness is poured, the gas bubbles appear to travel downwards in the glass. Oh, that would make sense of why it's Backwards different. bubbles? Yeah. Yeah, like bubbles float to the top, but and then Guinness pop, bubbles yeah. float to the bottom. Sink. Let me tell you why. The effect is attributed to drag. Bubbles that touch the walls of a glass are slowed in their travel upwards. Bubbles in the center of the glass are, however, free to rise to the surface and thus form a rising column of bubbles. The rising bubbles create a current um, of the surrounding fluid. As beer rises in the center, the beer near the outside of the glass falls. This downward flow pushes the bubbles near the glass toward the bottom. Although the effect occurs in any liquid, it's particularly noticeable in any dark nitrogen stout, as the drink combines dark-colored liquid and light-colored bubbles. Hmm. So basically, it's just convection. Yeah. Without heat, though. Right. But it's like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Everything's rising. If it's being pulled up in the middle, the outside is being pulled down. Right. Uh, the Guinness Harp. Let's here we were talking about this earlier. I still don't know why the IRA had anything to do with anything because I don't talk about that ever <laughs> again. But <laughs> the Guinness Harp is other than they were bad people. I mean, depending on how you look at it, they thought they were the good guys, right? The Guinness Harp. 
was modeled uh, on the Trinity College harp. It was adopted in 1862 by the incumbent proprietor, Benjamin Lee Guinness. Harps have been a symbol of Ireland at least since the reign of Henry VIII. We know him. Mm -hmm. Guinness registered their harp as a trademark shortly after the passing of the Trademarks Registration Act of 1875. Uh, So they were one of the worst, or one of the worst, one of the first trademarks in the world. It faces right instead of left, and that's so it can be distinguished from the Irish coat of arms. Mm. So it's the same harp, they just flipped it around. Sure. Since the 30s, the face of, uh, in the face of falling sales, Guinness has had a long history of marketing campaigns. We talked about a couple of them. Uh, from TV advertisements to beer mats and posters, before then, Guinness had almost no advertising, instead allowing word of mouth to sell the product. So in the 30s, when TV became a thing, Guinness was like, maybe we should hop on this boat. Mm-hmm. How are we doing on time? We're good good like it's fine okay fine (laughs) i just got really paranoid and like scared for a second i was like i've been talking for five hours yeah we're on hour six so if you could speed it up (laughs) a little bit that'd be great yeah great (laughs) um they have like guinness is kind of known for having like coke they have a lot of really iconic um like slogans like have a coke and a smile Mm -hmm. that kind of thing but Guinness had their own. Coast and got they, the polar bear. Guinness has the beer. <laughs> Guinness didn't have an animal? Well, they do. Oh. I'll tell you in a minute. Shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> Usually their slogans were with like a, a cartoon. That's kind of how they did their advertising of uh, like a, a comic strip kind of thing. For kids? Well, no. <laughs> Phrases such as, I'm going to just go through a couple of them. Guinness for strength. Lovely day for a Guinness. I've heard of both of those. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Guinness makes you strong. Never heard of Strong like bull. My goodness, my Guinness. That's awful. <laughs> or the Christmas variation. Uh, my Christmas, my Guinness. <laughs> my goodness, my Christmas, my Guinness. Oh, no. <laughs> That's terrible. And most famously, Guinness is good for you. Talked about that one. Right. Um, There's lots of posters and stuff that have all these things on them, and they're worth a lot of money if they were the ones from the actual ad campaign. But talking about... Something the pickers would go find on the History Channel. (laughs) Some of these posters did have animals on them, and the most notable was probably the toucan. Um, the toucan became as much a symbol of Guinness as the harp. So an advertiser from the 1940s ran... Uh, excuse me. The toucan is a symbol of Fruit Loops? I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> toucan Sam, hello? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was an advertisement with the toucan uh, with a song, and I'm not going to sing it to you because I don't know how it goes. But the words something something Galway girl something something yeah that's Drink the only Irish song you've ever heard in your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> two cans in their nests agree Guinness is good for you try some today and see what one or two can do two can get it yeah one or two can do <laughs> that's awful 
you know, it's fine. It's fine. All right. There's a lot of stuff in here about TV commercials. <laughs> uh, okay. So the Guardian described the management of the brand. Like they, they had a lot of commercials and shit. That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. And they, like they were marketing geniuses. And the Guardian described the management of the brand as, quote, They've spent years now building a brand that's in complete opposition to cheap lagers, session drinking, and crowds of young men boozing in bars. They've worked very hard to help Guinness drinkers picture themselves as twinkly-eyed, baronic barroom intellectuals, sitting quietly with a pint and dreaming of poetry and possibly lovely redheads running barefoot across across the peat. You have a pint or two of Guinness with a slim volume of Yates, not eight mates and 19 bender, 19 pint bender, which ends in tattoos, ED, and herpes from a hen party. Jeez. <laughs> Thanks to the Guardian. You know, uh, Robin Williams had a like, stand-up bit about that that kind of thing where he was like, he, he was talking about American beers, but he's like, you know, American beers always, and all these commercials and everything, it shows you know, a bunch of people ha- you know having a good time at a sports bar or whatever. And he's like, really, it should be like, it's two o'clock in the morning you've just pissed on a dumpster it's miller time (laughs) that's like honest honest ad campaigning well they were i mean apparently it was working um yeah of course so do the beer commercials now (laughs) in 2004 guinness ranked among the among the top three beer labels in singapore and malaysia with 20 percent market share across southeast asia Hmm. which is not something that i expected i guess yeah um malaysia was the brand's third largest market in the region and the sixth largest market worldwide wow in they really like their guinness over there yeah i guess so in 2009 the two arthur ad- the, oh my god that word <laughs> the two arthur advertisement which started with two friends raising the company's long history hail each other by lifting up their glasses and saying to arthur because he was the founder right yeah uh, the hailing slowly spread throughout the bar to the streets outside and finally around the world. The advertisement ends with the voiceover, join the worldwide celebration of a man named Arthur. <laughs> I think I remember those commercials. It gave rise to an event that's now known as Arthur's Day. Which <laughs> Arthur's is Day. Arthur. September 28th. Nice. Arthur's Day is a series of events and celebrations taking place around the world to celebrate the life and legacy of Arthur Guinness and the much-loved Guinness beer which Arthur brought to the world. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just a couple, like, random facts. Guinness began retailing in India in 2007. Uh, it has a significant share of the African beer market where it has been sold since 1827. About 40% of the worldwide total Guinness volume is brewed and sold in Africa with foreign extra stout, the most popular variant. Wow. Three of the five... Does it say where in Africa? Hold on. Shut up, Alyssa. <laughs> Three of the five Guinness-owned breweries worldwide are located in Africa. Um, the beer is brewed under license internationally in Nigeria, the Bahamas, Canada, 
Cameroon, Kenya, Uganda, South Korea, Namibia, and Indonesia. Huh. Well. In 2017, Guinness teamed up with Ab in AB in Bev, Ab and Bev <laughs> to distribute Guinness in mainland China. China is the single biggest worldwide alcohol market, especially for imported craft beers like Guinness. Huh. I would not have thought that either. Huh. The UK is the only sovereign state to consume more Guinness than Ireland. The third largest Guinness drinking nation is Nigeria, followed by the USA. Weird. Hmm. Considering the population difference. Right. The United States consumed more than 950 million hectoliters. Any guess what that is in gallons? Nope. Okay. It's uh, 25 billion. And by billion, I mean billion uh, gallons of Guinness in 2010. What did I just say to you? (laughs) 25 billion. Okay. The United States consumed more than 25 billion gallons of Guinness in 2010. Can you imagine what it was in 2020? A a lot more than that. (laughs) Two times that probably. All right, so the Guinness Storehouse at St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin is the most popular tourist attraction in Ireland. Your parents went there, right? Yes. Attracting over 1.7 million visitors in 2017 alone. Uh, A self-guided tour includes an account of the ingredients used to make the stout and a description of how it's made. Visitors can sample the smells of each Guinness ingredient in tasting rooms, which are colored with a unique light design that emits Guinness gold and black branding. The Guinness Book of Records, you might have been waiting for this all along, uh, started as a Guinness marketing giveaway based on the idea of its then managing director, Sir Hugh Beaver. (laughs) Sir Beaver? Uh, Yeah, so basically Guinness was like, if you have the biggest pumpkin we can find, we'll give you some beer. Or if you can run the farthest they were really just like show us some cool shit we'll give you some beer then it turned into a book it's kind of like how um it's uh it's the same thing of like wait the beer company does the world records is the same idea like that same idea behind that is the fat tire guide ranks restaurants (laughs) and like really good ones right (laughs) the michelin star is the michelin man it's the same company. I bet their tires don't taste very good. I bet you that there are people listening to this that don't know that. That was on my list for shit to do, so. Well, not anymore. You can have it. I don't want it. Fine. Is that all you got? That's all I got. Okay. Cool. The history of Guinness. Yeah. Kind of. What do you mean, kind of? <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to talk about that. We'll leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the abridged history of Guinness, we'll say. Yeah. Which is what all of this is. We're all doing I mean, stuff. Yeah. We're not experts at anything. Draft. Fuck. <laughs> I'm really glad that we were able to catch capture that moment live. <laughs> I'm disgusted with myself. <laughs> okay. Well, that's our show for today and for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with me. And me. And Alex. I mean, me with a story. <laughs> uh, we have a couple people that I know want to be on the show and want to bring their own stories. So, a special guest, but like 
very special guests because they're gonna they would be providing their own story. So it'd be like history and her story and their story. That's funny. Yeah. That's clever. so. Uh, that's still in the works. We're still working on getting all that stuff worked out, but those are coming. We are going to have some special guests that have their own stories. So that's something to look forward to. If you want to be one, let us know. Hit us up. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> literally anywhere except for TikTok. <laughs> We we'll don't. Get there. We don't TikTok. We I don't. Should. I don't even know what a TikTok is. <laughs> okay, you're a TikTok. <laughs> TikToked. Okay, that's our show for this week. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Like I said, go ahead and go uh, like and subscribe to everything on YouTube. I'd really appreciate it. And go like our Twitter page. God damn it. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you.